Hi, and welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. Been a rough, rough 72 hours here for our Cavaliers. They had a historical laughing bad game. I mean, major league insert bad comedy of errors type of situation in your life. The Cavaliers had that on Friday night. They then played that way again for the first half on Sunday, which is remarkable. Sure, there's some sort of Guinness Book of World Record they accomplished that. They did play harder in the second half, but it's far too late. The Knicks really got rolling in the second half, and they, the Knicks, well, I haven't really, this has been a very sloppy series. It's been competitive. Neither team is really ready for prime time, but the Knicks did play better in the second half, and they finally put a half together, and they pulled away, I think, not comfortably, but they pulled away without much out much hand-wringing. It, it, you know, they needed to make shots, but it really wasn't below five in the last minute and a half, two minutes. And that's what you need to do in these games to, to the home team when you're the road opponent. The Cavaliers are disappointing, lackluster, and it's hard to find more adjectives that aren't very negative. We expect more as we should. What has happened to our Cavs? They have really hit a wall, and a wall that I didn't see coming. I'll be the first one to admit, I am surprised we're here with the Cavs down three games to one, heading back to Cleveland, and just depanced. I mean, absolutely depanced in the garden. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Just awful. Awful. What I saw from this team. And I don't know if this series is recoverable. I really don't. I see some things that are going to leave lasting impressions. There's some things in here that I'm seeing that are going to leave some deep wounds that I don't know if are going to go away quickly. I don't know if it's going to just evaporate into thin air. I see some uh, real moments here that are going to be, take some real therapy, some real, I mean, some real talk out, out loud to a group saying, what do we do going from here? It's been that bad. That bad. It has been I have never seen a team in this kind of situation. They, you know, they give the junkyard dog award. They can throw that away. Throw it it away. Because there's not even someone honoring that should get that for the rest of the year after these games. The junkyard dog, they're just dogs. I mean, they're playing so bad on a big level. And what kills me is I love this team. I love this team. I want to root for this team. I love Jared Allen. I love Mitchell. I love Garland. I love Mobley. I love Levert. I want to root for this team. And it's becoming hard to root for the Cavs. It's getting to the point of no return. Right? Don't see hope. And I don't see this getting better. Very poor performance in these last two games. Shameful. Like someone could lose their job shameful 
if it follows up in game five. And God forbid you get to game six and it happens again. Fireable offenses. Fireable offenses. Now, I don't know who's going to take the fall for this. And this has been a good year, and they've done some things in the regular season that have been impressive. But it's all being erased away. I mean, the Cavs are being shown up at the biggest level. And for it to be a game four in Madison Square Garden, and for number four, five, 45, Donovan Mitchell to put up that performance where he scores two. Uno, dos. He scored two points. Two points! Unacceptable. And Donovan Mitchell will be the first one to tell you that, as he did in his post-game press conference. When your leader cannot generate offense, and he's a scorer, and he's a guy that moves the offense around, for him to provide 11 points total and only two, two, two in the second half with some sad shots. People are being too kind. J.B. Bickerstaff, some of those just rimmed in and out. J.B., his shot looked terrible. Some of his teammates said he took on too much responsibility. I actually think he was being appropriate. And I love Mitchell. Mitchell's going to be here for a very long time. But right now, on this date of 423, it's going to take mountains of therapy and time to get over how badly he played today. And you don't think you can't take that off? When you see your leader, the guy is going to lead you to the promised land, the guy who you know you need, to go to battle with in a key game for him just to not show up. He checked out Donovan Mitchell quit in the fourth quarter. He was done. He was gassed by the end of the third quarter. He was waving the white flag. He had no answers. He didn't even move at times to the other end of the floor. So disappointing. So disappointing. And there's really... Nothing you can say or do. It starts and ends with Donovan Mitchell. We'll get into some other things in these games. We'll get into some other problems in these games. But you cannot win a game without your best star playing at a star level on the road in a playoff game, hostile environment, down two games one. It is not possible on most nights, Exhibit A here today. You can't do it. You cannot not have your best player not play well and then expect to win a game. Cavs can't do that. Most teams can't do that. And for Donovan Mitchell, to he is going to be a first or second or maybe third team All-NBA. And for him to put up that kind of performance is disheartening. It's a gut punch. Hope is gone. It sets a tone you don't want heading in the offseason unless you pull off a miracle. And, folks, we are now in that word, miracle. Could they win game five? Sure. Game six? Even I'm there. I don't see it. Probably not. Going to lose. They're going to lose the series in the next and six. Maybe even five. 
the way this series is going, why not five? They are excelling towards the exit on that. And Donovan Mitchell has got to perform better. It is not excusable on any level how poorly he played today. He was that bad. That bad. That bad. Another game and another lack of rebounding, too, on Sunday. The Knicks controlled the boards, controlled the energy, and frankly just controlled what they they basically, by the end of the fourth quarter, were doing whatever they wanted to do. That is sad. On Cleveland, we pride ourselves on hustling, defense, rebounding. That's the kind of basketball we live for. Cavs had none of that. None of that. None of that. Zero. Zip. Cavs looked like a team that was walking up the court. Cavs were a team that at times were watching the basketball instead of going after the basketball. The Cavs are a complete disaster when it comes to effort and when it comes to rebounding. You can't fix this in three games. Can't do it unless this team is really playing that poorly in NYC. But even with that, I can't. This lack of effort and the Cavs come off playing soft. They come off as not wanting the toughness of the playoffs. And frankly, I think those comments are true. Mobley has just been a mess this entire playoffs. He played better in game four, and that has little value because he's been playing that poorly at times in the series. I actually thought Mobley's defense today was the worst. It's very strange. Mobley performed better on offense, but he played that poor. I thought his his defense today was not good enough. Not even close. Allen gets pushed around right now. He's getting pushed around. Allen has moments, too, where something wrong happens and he just checks out. Something goes wrong, ball bounces wrong way, he just checks out, can't even pay attention to the play. Mobley is a huge concern long-term. He did have some good bites after the game, speaking about what needs to happen and how this team needs to perform on a different level to big stage. Good to hear. Good to hear, Mr. Mobley, because you flat-out stunk today. Allen was soft. Mobley, he has got a lot of potential. But I think right now we can say it's the P word. It's just potential. I know he's going to get some accolades for his defense. Fine. His offense has a, has a long ways to go. His rebounding has, uh, has some real work that needs to be done. Mobley is a project. Maybe he can fix it over the summer. We'll see. But Mobley's a project. And Allen needs to get tougher. Allen is getting paid big bucks, and it's cashing in time. Where are your rebounds? He had today four. I had to double-check to make sure I had that right. Four, 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 four from your center. Four, four rebounds, four. How is that possible? Unacceptable.
very shocking, very demoralizing loss. And your bigs just aren't getting it done. Donovan Mitchell, who was clueless in the first half, awful, awful, awful first half. He was great in the second half. He was. He was very good. But it's a team game, and you have to play a complete game. And Darius Garland, it wasn't good enough today. Levert played okay. I thought Levert was one of the better players consistently on the floor. Osman was Osman. Okoro played his best game in the playoffs, and it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Okoro had some moments, did some things. He slowed the game down a little bit for the Knicks offense, but truthfully, Okoro didn't do much as the score indicated at the end of the game. I don't know why Danny Green's only getting four minutes at a time. I think he deserves more minutes. But what I mean, at this point, it's whatever almost. People are calling for Lamar Stevens to play. Fine. Lamar Stevens would have only slowed the death a little bit, in my opinion, because you need offense. Offense. And then there's J.B. Bickerstaff. A lot of questions are going to go into his coaching. A lot of comments are going to be made about how this team looked ill-prepared in New York. Game three was on the players, in my opinion. I thought game three was so poor, so poor, that it should go on the players. Game game four, JB's got a big chunk of that. Team didn't look prepared, didn't look comfortable, didn't look playoff ready. JB took a big hit today. Has not been a good playoffs for JB Bickerstaff. The Cavs have made great strides. They made the playoffs. They've done some very good things this year. But coming back to Cleveland, this is a broken team. And the fan base is broken with it. That was a gut punch. Followed up by a haymaker. Cavs have a lot to do in a short amount of time. And it's not fixable with Magic Elixir. It's going to take a lot of luck and a lot of hard work. And the Cavs just don't have enough time. Very disappointing. Very disappointing series for the Cavs. If I were them, I would win game five. Just a note. Better win game five. Even if you can't win a series, you better win game five. We come back. We're going to talk more about these Cleveland Cavaliers. Welcome back to Believe in the Land. My name is Andy Billman. You like post-game analysis. You need a mental hug after these tough Cavs games. You need some instant analysis after the Guardians. Guardians is a very good win today on Sunday, being the Marlins. You go on to Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That's at Official Cleveland Sports. Soon to be titled Believe in the Land. Go there now. It's at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. There's a brand new media venture I'm joining called Believe in the Land. Please check it out. It's going to be great new stuff, similar to what we do here on the show. That will be much more written word. All sorts of yadas, yadas, yadas. will be a very, very... Um, It'll be a very, very, I think, enjoyable experience for you if you like this kind of show. More of me talking about sports. Back to the Cavs. The Cavs really provided a lot of reality, maybe in a way. 
maybe this is what we, you know, in a way had to endure as fans. And when I say that, it's because we just saw things and that were just, again, so disheartening and so gut-wrenching that maybe in a way this is what needs to be prepared for future seasons. Because the Cavs were not realistically going to win the NBA Finals. We knew that. To get to the Eastern Conference Finals was not realistic. So there is time for this team to grow. And I think through these first two games, what we've seen is the Cavs have a lot of room to change. They need to do a lot of things differently. They have to make a lot of adjustments to get this team prepared to win a playoff series, let alone go far in the NBA playoffs. The one thing that I've been very mistaken by on this team that has shocked me is just how they are not tough. This team is not tough. And they pride themselves on talking about how tough they are by giving the Junkyard Dog Award, which I love, and it's a great award, and it should go. it's something you like to see as a Cleveland fan. It goes to the most hustle, best defense, the most inspiring performance of the night. Right now, you couldn't even give that award away to the ball guy. They've been so poor, so poor. The Cavs are going to have to really think in the offseason, what do we need to do to take that next leap? What are we missing here? What are things that are not quite happening? The Donovan Mitchell trade is still a good thing. It took the team to another level it had to take. Donovan Mitchell has some has a lot of room to grow. I was mistaken on a couple of things by Donovan Mitchell, and I now am aware of it. Donovan Mitchell has to do some things in the offseason to get his game to the next level. There is a gap, and he is at that second-level gap right now. He is not on level one. Level one is the elite. He's not elite. He's not. He's very good. He is sadly not elite. I thought he was sniffing elite and entering that level in that arena, and he's not. He's simply just not there. He has to do some things better in the offseason. He has to be more consistent, and he has to get tougher as well as some of his teammates do in mentally in mentally straining situations. I've been very disappointed by him, but doesn't mean I don't like him. Doesn't mean I don't believe in him. I do believe in him, but there's some things here you just can't grow and you just can't matriculate into a you know a 48 hour period going into game five, and then if you win, going into game six and another 48 hour period. Just can't do it. It's going to have to take some real offseason work, and Donovan Mitchell is going to take a lot. I think he has it in him now. I like Donovan Mitchell. I really enjoy him as a player. He embraces this city, and we embrace him back. There's a lot of good things you want in your players. But that next level, that next rung, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a bigger leap than what I thought. He needs a lot of work. He's there. He's close. But he needs a, a lot more work to get where he wants to go. And mentally, he's got to get tougher. Got to get tougher. Cavs are also going to have to figure out the wing. And they're going to have to figure out toughness inside the wing situation has been exposed and it's been exposed all years the Cavs don't have a true wing they really don't Cavs are going to have to figure that out in this offseason Cavs are going to have to develop someone to get in there to fix that it's not Okoro and it's not Levert those are two good bench guys that come off the bench and do nice things they are not wings we're going to 
Cavs are going to have to do something creatively in that wing spot. And then to my third note, they're going to have to do something about the inside. And I don't know what to say about that. And the reason why I leave it open-ended is uh, Jared Allen has really been disappointing, and Mobley, I think, has been even more disappointing. We'll start off with Mobley. Mobley's got a lot of potential. But Mobley's taken another step sideways and even backwards in his NBA playoffs. He's had a really hard time performing. He has had a really hard time getting around what it takes to win in tough games. It's been glaring. And at this age, I'm not expecting Tim Duncan at his finest level, but I'm expecting more than what I'm seeing here. You know, these numbers aren't just aren't good enough. They aren't. They are just not good enough. You cannot have 12 points and 7 rebounds if you're having Mobley. You need more than that. And Jared Allen had 14 and 4. 4. How in the hell did he only have 4 rebounds is beyond me. Maddening. Maddening. It's going to be a long offseason. They're going to have to get creative on how to add a big to go along those two. Is Mobley and Allen aren't going to cut it when it comes down to big games in the playoffs. They're, they are. That is not a duo that's going to cut it. Nope. I can see that in my eyes. It's not going to cut it. They are going to have to do something. And Mobley's potential is just that's potential. You can't predict potential. He has a lot of work to do to get to those steps. The potential is there. But you can't bank on it. And then finally, it's J.B. Bickerstaff. J.B. has a lot of shaking-your-head moments. He has a lot of moments where you cringe. Putting in Dean Wayne in game one, I can't explain that. How you come in off of a timeout and cause a turnover for a dunk for the other team, can't explain that. It's happened on multiple games and another playoff game here today. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. J.B. at times does not look like he has control of the game or control of his team. It looks like his team sometimes has a real hard time focusing. JB is well-liked. JB does some things defensively I really like. But JB has a lot of room to grow, too. And he's going to be put in the hot seat next year. This is not going to cut it next year. He's not going anywhere this offseason. He's not. He's coming back. He's coming back. But he's going to be put on a lot of pressure to win. And finally, this defense, it is very good. But I'm going to put this on the Mitchell terms. It's not elite. The Cavs are not an elite defense. They are very good. Cavs do some things very, very well. The Cavs are too analytically built. Cavs need some emotion. Cavs need some edge. Cavs need to do some things that takes some elbow grease. The metrics... The analytics, you can feel it coming out. And it's annoying. And it's enough. I don't want that in my team. Analytically driven teams drive me crazy. It drives me crazy with the Browns, and it's now driving me crazy with the Cavs. Analytics is not how you win a championship in the NBA. 
At some point, you need to have tenacity. You need to have a little Draymond Green. You need to have a little Bill Lambeer. You need to have a little toughness. The Cavs don't have any toughness. Donovan Mitchell, your best player, is nowhere to be found in two games in New York. Can't believe I'm saying that. Shocked. The wing situation, not a surprise, is a huge problem. Your bigs are not big enough. They're not playing tough enough. And J.B. Bickerstaff has not done enough to get this team ready to play. These are all real things, and these are real things that I don't know how the Cavs can fix these in the next three games. In fact, I'm pretty sure you can't, and I know you can't. Cavs are going to get eliminated by the Knicks. I will end on this note. You, If I were the Cavs, I would win game five. Losing game five will put a cherry on this awful Sunday. Game five is really important, even if you lose the series. Win game five. Enough about the Cavs. Let's talk about the Guardians when we come back. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love this kind of content, go on official Cleveland Sports and Instagram. That's official Cleveland Sports and Instagram. It has everything you want more after every Guardians game. We're there after the last pitch, the last strike. Later, this will all be called Believe in the Land, which is my new media venture along with Todd Hall out there in Westlake. It's called Believe in the Land at official Cleveland Sports and Instagram. Check it out. Guardians time. The Guardians had a week that was uh, left to be desired. They went over in two doubleheaders. They lost back-to-back against the Tigers. Then they won the, the last game of the series. Deja vu. Very similar games, except for they really popped off finally against the Marlins. Won 7-4 today on Sunday. But again, 2-4 and four week against teams that you would hope to be beating, that you should be beating. And frankly, the, right now the Guardians are doing, you know, it's my overall big note. There's four things. This is my first thing. The Guardians right now are having a very hard time in April, and that is the history of this club. I guess we should really emphasize that. Tito Francona does not do his best work in April. He just doesn't, and it's here again. The team is 500. The team should be better than 500, sure. The team doesn't perform everything you want it to do at times. Oh, there's no doubt. The Guardians at times will drive you crazy. But all that to be said, the Guardians do this historically. So why should we take anything differently? And here they are. They're 500. Could be better. I don't think it have been worse. They lost some games that they should have won. Okay. They're only one game out of the Twins. So the overall big picture is the Guardians are struggling through. They are not playing good baseball. But they are 500. And they're only one game out heading into the new series of the Rockies. And then they end the week in Boston. So not terrible. Not terrible. So this is a very typical start. There's some things in there that I've seen throughout the years. I, I, There's some things in there that I know will get tightened up in time. They're not very tight at the moment, okay? You live with that as Guardians fans. I think that should be the overall note. This is typical Guardians slash Indians baseball as we head here in the last week of April. It's par for the course. It will not determine the final scorecard as they hand them in once they're in the lobby. They're not, I mean, not even in the lobby. Um, what do you call them in golf? But you know what I mean. It's not going to be the final scorecard. Now to the other three things. The starting pitching has been wonky this week. Hunter Gaddis has been sent down. I think that was appropriate. 
Peyton Battenfield showed some things. I really like Logan Allen's only one start, but Logan Allen showed a lot. And this is a different Logan Allen, left-handed pitcher. Very good today. Very, very sharp. Plesak was Plesak. You know, Bieber hasn't been his best yet. Then, you know, wasn't wasn't really great. But the the starting pitching this week could not lift this team throughout two doubleheaders. And that's a big story. The, the Guardians starting pitching really showed this week because you saw a lot of youth. And I thought this pitching staff looked really raw. It will get better. The health is on the way. But the starting pitching is just very young, and it's very raw. And I don't think it gets discussed enough. And again, when looking at a doubleheader, when you're playing teams like the Tigers and you're playing teams like the Miami Marlins, who you should, you know, should play very well with, you know, the Logan Allens, the Peyton Battenfields, the Hunter Gattises really, really do show up. And they did win a start with Logan Allen. They lost both of Plesak and Bieber, which is crazy. Crazy. Quantrill came in and saved the day in the other game. But the youth of the starting pitching is shown. And it should not be out here this early, as we all know. But the injuries is there, and the injuries are real. I will say, though, the starting pitching also has some hope. I'm not just saying that to be positive. I really do like Peyton Battenfield. I like what I saw out of Logan Allen. This other guy, BB, who's right now currently in Columbus, is supposed to be very good, too. So there's some live arms coming, and I think Logan Allen might stay up. I I like him. Like that guy. Like what I saw. Peyton Batfield really battled in a big game in a doubleheader. Really like what I saw from him. But the starting pitching can't lift this team right now. In past years, they could. But it's very razor thin. But there's hope. It's not barren. There's some things in there that you can see that the Guardians are going to have that the Guardians are really going to like. And real quickly on Hunter Gaddis, that guy is a bullpen guy. Maybe down the road he's a starter, but right now he's a bullpen guy. And I actually would like to see Hunter Gaddis coming in into some spots in the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings. I think he could really do some things. I like him as a reliever. Not a starter. But as a reliever, I can see it. I can. I can see it. I don't think it's crazy. Starting pitching, Ron Young can't lift the team. And that goes into the third thing. This, you know, the, the how should we put this? I mean, maybe, some, I don't want to say power outage because they did finally hit some home runs, but it's not enough, obviously. But the offense has just, it's been a non-starter. They just can't get going. Uh, the first game in a while was Sunday. Sunday, they finally put some real traffic on the bases. They finally showed some real legs on the bases. You actually saw guys moving from station to station on Sunday. The other five games this week were pretty blah. Saw some really head-scratching moments where you're just like, geez, where are we getting the energy from in the base path? I'm not, don't know if I'm seeing it. And you saw that on multiple occasions this week. Even in their win in Detroit, it was a home run by J-Ram to make it 3-2. Yeah, that was it. Three-run home run. Guardians have to do a better job of their lineup. Two things to note. A, Naylor is starting to come out of it, which is good. He has to. Guardians can't win with Naylor batting this way. He'll, he'll break out of it. 
Rosario, who typically starts the year slow, is starting the year against slow. But again, he had a strong, he had a strong performance on Sunday. Oscar Gonzalez is showing is showing slow signs coming out of it. Uh, Will Brennan, who I think has actually been a good hitter, did nothing this week because he didn't play. I want to see more Will Brennan. Josh Bell, he's back. His average, which at one point was .78, is up to .228 now, so he's jumped a lot. But again, no one's really hitting the cover off the ball. And no one's really, take like Jimenez hasn't taken off yet. No one's had that hot streak yet, really. Bell's been the closest thing we've seen. Bell's been pretty good the last 10 days. But no one's gone off. No one's taken this team for a ride, and they, they need some energy that way. Need a Quan-like week like we saw last year. And speaking of him, too, hasn't really done much. But Quan hits in big situations. I will say that, too. I guess I should take back. Quan does do well in big situations. And he always seems to get RBI when you need it. Man, if he's up there with the men on, he's going to get a hit. It's amazing, isn't it? Shaw's cooled off this week. I mean, Straw, I'm sorry. Straw's cooled off this week. Arias has had a struggle. Um, don't know how much longer you're going to see him up here. Just too bad. Three strikeouts today. I like what I see out of Tyler Freeman. But there is no one person right now. J-Ram has, again, J-Ram, unlike last year, has not taken off yet. You could use that kind of lift. And yet here they are. They're 500. So hopefully this power surge, which we saw today with seven runs, can continue and go into the next series of the Rockies. They could use it. And then the final note is the Guardians tend to play close games, and they've seen the other half of this right now. You can't keep playing one-run games. You're going to lose some. And the Guardians have been on the wrong end and some losses lately in the run-run games. Guardians have to do a better job of getting leads, putting teams uh, behind, and making them chase. The Guardians always seem to be behind in these games. They're always behind. Guardians need to get a lead and stay ahead. They haven't had many of those moments this year. In fact, very, very few. Guardians need more moments when they're playing well and getting men on base and getting traffic on base and getting leads and they're not blowing it in the bullpen. Guardians need to get some leads. They need to get out in leads. They can't keep relying on winning on one nothing games. It's not a way to survive in this business of baseball. You won't survive. The Guardians have been on the other end of the stick this week on a few of those games. Got to do a better job getting leads. Guards have got to get ahead and got to put teams away. They just haven't done that. Frankly, they haven't done that at all this year. But again, it's to note number one, it's April, and here they are. Couple individual notes. James Karinchak. Let's go down that road for a second. I think James Karinchak needs some work, and I think he needs to prepare better for what he's doing right now because he is not only giving up, he's giving up bombs right now on home runs on multiple occasions. James Karinchak's not ready for the eighth inning right now. Doesn't mean he can't go back to that role. He struggled there last year, too, and last year he found it late in the year and recaptured that setup role going into the ninth, eighth inning, going into the ninth. He can find it again. But Karen Chuck right now is way off. He's having a very hard time, a very hard time keeping things together and really can't seem to find 
Um, he just has a hard time. He gives up a lot of fouls, and he finally gives up a meatball and gets frustrated, and, and this gets pounded out. And the thing that's also concerning, his other innings haven't been clean. Very rare to get a one, two, three inning. James needs to work on some stuff. Henches is coming soon, thank God. I think that will really help the situation. Hunter Gaddis would also help a little bit too and relieve some pain. The other thing which I kind of talked about is I need to see more Will Brennan. I know they're playing lefty, so they didn't show him, but man, we could use some Will Brennan in our life. No Will Brennan this week. I thought it was kind of a deflator. Could use some Will Brennan. Kid has got guts. He's got moxie in big spots. And not playing him all weekend, I thought hurt. I think it really hurts. I think it might take some steam out of him. He finally got in that bat today. Kid hasn't played since Wednesday. That's a long time. He hasn't played basically all week. I don't like that. I want to see Will Brennan in this lineup. I want to see Will Brennan in this lineup. Again, the overall message is 11-11. Not a week you want to go 2-4. and four. you got to gobble up these wins. They did not take out the garbage with the Tigers or the Marlins. The Rockies are very bad. They've got to figure out a way to win some games there. And I hope they do. Because that is a, that is a week to gobble up some Pac-Man pellets. Rockies are 6-17. and 17. Take out the garbage. But again, early on, you can notice one thing. The Twins have not expanded on this lead either. They're only 12 and 10. And everybody else in the division is pretty lousy. Tigers, after that series, have lost four in a row. White Sox are spiraling out of control, and the Kansas City Royals are already looking at mock drafts. So the division is very weak this year. In fact, baseball is pretty even-handed so far. If you look past the Central, obviously the teams that jump out at you are the are the Rays, off to a really hot start. Orioles are 14-7, off to a hot start. Texas Rangers, which I kind of picked out earlier this year, they're off to a very hard, hot start. So those are the teams in the AL. Yankees are there. They're going to make the playoffs. Blue Jays are there. Hard to see them not making the playoffs. Might get four teams at the AL East. It's amazing. But the Central is open for business after the Twins and the Guardians. Because, I mean, there's nothing there. Nothing. So the Guardians are in a just okay spot. Again, it's not the fast start we're all wanting, but it's not poor what was me and they're out of position. They're really not this time. Guardians play the Rockies, get a day off, then in Boston for three. And that's your Guardians report. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. And again, you can find me after everything that goes on with the Guardians and Cavs right now. It's at Official Cleveland Sports. Check it out. It's at Official Cleveland Sports. Also, I'll be doing a lot of coverage on Instagram, by the way. It's on Instagram, at Official Cleveland Sports. You can check out what I think of the Browns draft, too. We'll start following the draft, obviously. It doesn't get ramped up for us until Friday. And then Saturday, I'll give a draft report again on this show and then all throughout the channels. If you like a lot of the stuff, check out Believe in the Land on YouTube. Believe in the Land on YouTube. Sign up. Become a subscriber. You like this? You like me? Check it out. I give instantaneous stuff. As soon as the final out's there, I'm there. Hello. Final buzzer. Even in Madison Square Garden, I'm there. 
And you better believe it during the Browns football season for the fall. We are at the five-year anniversary of Baker Mayfield being drafted on Wednesday the 26th. Can you believe it? It's been five years. Holy cow, what an adventure it has been for us Browns fans. Feels like it's been years ago, at least to me, with the Browns. I just can't I can't get over how the time has passed and how the Browns are, you know, such a different team, even from 2020, let alone 2018. You know, Baker Mayfield being drafted was an exciting time. Um, obviously, and you know, it was time for a new it's time for the new Browns. Um, the Browns really finished up 16 and 17 with some of the most egg-stinking performances, which led to one win, as we all remember. One win, a wild missed kick by the San Diego Chargers, saved from back-to-back overs. God, can you imagine? It was that bad. So the that draft that year in 2018 was everything for us. It was our Super Bowl, is what we had been tortured with. Yes, we had Miles Garrett. Yes, we kind of knew some things were starting to happen, but the eight, the 18 draft was the reason to give us hope. And Baker Mayfield came in to Berea and to Cleveland like a ball on fire, didn't he? And remarkably and smartly by NFL, that coincided with, of course, hard knocks. And you know that turned out to be more of a show than an actual win performance, but okay. It's a very entertaining show. But Baker Mayfield definitely gave us a lot of moments. There were some good moments. He, You know, the win in Cincinnati at the end of the game, coming back to beat Burrow. The wonderful Tennessee victory, the winning in Dallas. The Sunday night win against the Giants where he was dominant, and he was dominant. His first win against the Jets should never be overlooked. Very important moment. And he didn't play the first two games, so that wasn't like he came in there losing. Remember, he came in that game to replace an injured, to, to play the injured quarterback. His name, oh, Ty, Tyrod Taylor. Gosh, that's how long it's been. But Baker also brought a lot of baggage. He brought a lot of heat. He went after a lot of reporters in town, multiple reporters. He was definitely very um, bravado, alpha male. Which isn't always, you know, something that endures us Browns fans. doesn't endure me as much as others. He also had the most important win since the move and the comeback. He won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. That can never be overshadowed. That is not a light moment. That is a huge moment for us. Huge moment for him, but it's a huge moment for us. To beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh in a playoff game, you cannot replicate that. He also had some horrible losses. Horrible. Playoff, you know, implication losses. The starting game against Kansas City. Losing in Kansas City in the playoffs. Losing that game against Seattle in 2019 was remarkable. I still to this day don't know how they lost that game. Baker had some flops. He played horrible on Monday Night Football against the 49ers. Had a horrible loss to the Ravens in 2021. Horrible. Followed that up with a real stinker of Monday Night Football, Roethlisberger's last home game, 
Um, you know, Baker Mayfield basically gave that win on a platter to the Steelers. He played so bad. Played bad on, on Christmas Day against the Packers. He never really was a clutch quarterback. He brought excitement. He changed the mentality of the Browns, and that's not an understatement. He did a lot to change the image of what the Browns have become. Because after one thirty-one, they were—I mean—they were losers. That changed with Baker Mayfield. They were never going to be losers again. Never were. But Baker brought challenges. And Baker, I thought, started the splitting of this fan base. That is very split today, and for good reason. The the Sean Watson situation has torn us in half. But Baker had us at times going after each other, and i never seen that in a Cleveland player. There was the Baker bros, the Baker supporters, and it felt like you're anti-establishment if you didn't cheer for Baker or you didn't agree with Baker bros. And not only that, they would have posses of people go after you on social media if you dare say anything bad about Baker. Very bizarre. Don't know if I've ever seen anything like it then and since. Very, very hard to describe to people who didn't experience it. It's hard for a fan base to come together on some ideas. It's even harder to split a fan base. The Baker Mayfield fandom split this fan base. There are a lot of people who are tired of him, a lot of people who would probably stay bring him back to Cleveland. They would like to see nothing more, nothing less. He had a tumultuous relationship with OBJ. Then kind of cost him his career here in Cleveland. He had some moments where he really came off and you felt bad for Baker. There were moments you really did feel bad for Baker. There was a moment or two where I thought he was going to get benched in 2020. I thought he, after the first half in Cincinnati, was going to get benched. He had played so terrible in that game in Cincinnati. And then, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, he turned his whole career around that second half ended up winning the game for him with his arm. That's Baker Mayfield. He loves to be doubted, loves to rise up from that. He is a true underdog, yet he is the number one Heisman Trophy pick winner overall in the NFL draft. Oxymoron. You'll never see another Baker Mayfield. But he is a big part of this fabric of the new Browns after 99 era. It's hard to say this because it feels like it's been years ago, but he's only been out of town for over a year. He was released last summer. So he technically right now is still on the Browns. It didn't work out for Baker. Baker was his own undoing as well. He caused a lot of trouble. He did some things that didn't rub the right people the right way. He also was not well loved by his teammates. Some of his teammates liked him, but he was not loved. Never saw that love like I'm seeing for Deshaun Watson, like I did for that I did for Baker. Baker just never had that thrust of energy. Five years ago, on on the 26th, he was drafted by the Browns, and he came to Cleveland. And he should be thanked for the victory. He should be thanking for changing the culture. He should be thanked for a lot of things, as he took on a lot of stuff that a lot of quarterbacks would have failed at. That's why it's very hard to encapsulate Baker. He was an okay quarterback. He had some good moments. He had some really bad moments. He had some moments where it was shameful. He had some moments where he lifted up the community and people cheered around him and wanted to be around him. 
one of the most complicated Cleveland athletes ever come by here. You know, I actually, I actually put him right there with Kyrie Irving. Complicated. And Kyrie's different for different reasons for being complicated, but he's complicated too. But five years ago was the start of this new ramp up for the Browns. And Baker Mayfield was definitely the jewel of that draft. And we all knew it. Amazing. It's, it feels like it's been longer, but it's only been five years ago. We'll review the draft here next week. The Browns don't draft anyone until the third round. I doubt they're going to move back up, so that's pretty much a lock. No reason to even speculate who they're going to draft because who knows who everybody else is going to draft in the first and second round. So I don't believe in doing any kind of projections on that. It's just too hard to tell. But the Browns, a lot more to come on that next week, and we'll definitely dissect what they do here on the show. The Cavs are on the brink of elimination. They are passing out on the baseline. They have been soft. Donovan Mitchell's performance was terrible. He's being outplayed by Brunson, and the Cavs are on the brink of elimination. It's going to lead to a lot of questions we talked about on the show once they get eliminated of what to do next year. The Guardians are 500, and that's usually where they are this time of year. They're only one game behind the Twins. Very strange week. Two doubleheaders, no wins, neither doubleheader. Then won the closing game in both the uh, Detroit series and against the Miami Marlins. And five years ago today, Baker Mayfield was your Cleveland Browns starting quarterback in then week three of the 2018 season. And that was the week in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Check out Believe in the Land on YouTube. Check out Believe in the Land on Instagram. That's at official Cleveland sports on Instagram. Check it out. It's my new media venture. Hopefully the Cavs win game five. They could really use it. Very important win for that team. We'll be back here next week. Have a good week.